Wardcast episode 265. Go! That's right. We have reawoken from our cryo sleep. Uh, Jeff, from Jeff stasis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Alex, Alex, uh, look up at the lights. Uh, look down at the lights. Okay. All right. You see, your suit oh, seems wow. to be well, well acclimated. That's what the right stick does. <laughs> this will revolutionize the first person shooter game genre. <sighs> yes. No more will we have the, the reticle locked to the center of the screen. Uh, well, I guess it is set, locked to the center of the screen. Uh, uh, yeah, no, no more will it like free roam to aim at yes. whatever nearby enemies there are. I guess uh, that's in, how Goldeneye worked. I can't remember. Well, in Goldeneye, it's so long because like when you play Goldeneye now, it's like an alien piece oh, it's of media. Awful. Like I think you hold down the Z button to like free aim, so it like keeps your perspective because there's only one stick on the N64, so it'll, right. so it'll it'll prevent you from moving and then you can just freely move the reticle elsewhere in the viewport that you're currently looking through which yeah yeah, seems bad and uh also i like to point out sometimes that halo was not the first thing to do the left stick move right stick aim but rather that was like an alien fps game uh, like based on the alien franchise sure uh, that came out for the playstation one i don't I don't think anyone can test that. I mean, the look up at the light, look down at the lights was just a way to diegetically set inverted towards not inverted for right. your, your camera settings. Um, well, I'm yeah. Bill Alvento, and I'm rejoined, as always, by Alex Damrath. Hello! Here for the, the rare Wordcast sighting. Yes. Uh been some time like bigfoot we have reemerged from these woods ready to get our candid shot right once every couple years all blurry (laughs) uh in full glory Mm -hmm. um that makes it sound like we're naked we're not naked uh i mean maybe you aren't oh no Uh, yeah i mean your your camera crops off at the shirt at the waist level or at the chest level so who knows what's (laughs) going on down there don't judge how i podcast (laughs) Yeah, look, everyone's got to get into the mood, the podcasting mood somehow. Everyone has a different regimen. <laughs> uh, Alex, we yes. decided to do a, a, a little little mid-year check-in uh, for just, you know, see, you know, kind of shake some of the rust off, yeah. talk about some video games, talk about some video game news, as it were, but, you know... Make sure we don't go into the BGPs completely blind. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We got we to gotta know, you know, we have to remind ourselves of each other's horrible taste of video games. Of course. Of course. So, <laughs> uh, before we get to talking about games we've been playing, uh, Alex, there has been some news that has oh, been... Oh, boy, has there. ...has been rocking uh, the video game nation. Um, you want to talk about Unity? <laughs> Let's talk about Unity. Uh, Unity, everyone's favorite game engine, or at least it might have, at some point it was, I'm sure, has uh, been in been in some 
been in a weird position. Uh, if you are not familiar with the recent development, Unity has announced a merger with a company that I feel like barely anyone has heard of before called uh, Iron Source. Uh, a all all stock merger for four point four billion dollars because that's the scale at which video game merger and acquisitions happen nowadays. Um, and Iron Source is like some sort of mobile app monetization analytics software platform. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. It's a strange miscalculation, at least on our end, what we see towards what Unity's core user base values. Yeah, and what in the in the argument I'm sure that would be from the side of the C-suite or whatever is that their core user base does not make up the large you know, the majority of their revenue, right? That, like, that's what I'm thinking is they're looking at this from a, which of our users make money side and yeah. they for sure are probably excited about this. But, uh, I mean, as far as actual indie devs concerned, uh, yeah. artists, um, this sucks. Yeah. In terms of mind share, it's, it's not great or brand equity, I guess. Like yeah. a, a very easy comparison point would be like when, you know, uh, Epic Game Store came out and they like changed the conversation by saying, "Hey, our rev split's going to be this per- this percentage." You right. know, compared to uh, Steam standard thirty percent cut, and then Steam comes out as a counterpoint, a way worse deal, which is like, "Oh, we can lower <laughs> it after you make." I want to say it was like $100 in revenue in sales for a game. Something like that. It was like a game-by-game basis. It's like, okay, if you make 100 or a million dollars in sales on your game, we will then lower the rev split from 30% to like, I don't, I can't remember what it was, 20 or something. And it was like a sliding scale. It's like if you sold even more, then it would go down even more. It's like this only benefits the most profitable companies and this is just an incentive set to keep people like ubisoft and other triple a publishers on steam and this this iron source thing is similarly poised to only benefit very large mobile game studios that create develop and publish games free-to-play games with very very large monetization models that enrich them and then therefore enrich uh a unity and it's like that can exist that's fine like like that's fine if that's like part of your uh portfolio of services but what sucks is that like so much of unity's recent choices seem to be to the detriment of being an engine developer, right? Yeah. I Okay, I didn't see this on here, but part of me remembers something about them getting into NFTs, or at least like sort of I, tipping their toes in and seeing how people reacted. 
I don't know Am if I that's true. I don't remembering I, that. Okay. I don't think that's true because I also had that question. Like when I saw the announcement, I was like, "Oh, some random software company that I've never heard of before is merging with Unity. Has to be a crypto thing." Does and then yeah. like I, I scrolled <laughs> through the, the blog post and, right, and I scrolled <laughs> through the blog post announcement. I was like, "Okay, I don't see any crypto mentioned here. A lot of buzzwords concerning about like and it, there's been a lot of pool quotes." Because, you know, a big component of this story is John Riccatello, CEO of Unity, kind of just shitting the bed in terms of, like, uh, 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 putting out fires and and yeah. being himself a walking PR nightmare because of the quotes he's been. But, like, talks about monetization models and then compulsion loops and devs are fucking idiots and things like that. Yeah that that's the quote you've been seeing going around the most and i saw this update where he seems to suggest that that was not in the right context but um oh, i have even, the full i have the full quote here <laughs> if you, have you the want full the full thing yeah uh here the um so this is an interview uh f- with pocketgamer.biz again kind of leveraging back into this this whole merger is poised to benefit people in the game app free to play mobile space um right i my mind keeps going but just to cut for a second my mind keeps going to like the gdc talk where the guys talked about building like 70 random slot machine apps a day using Uh unity's tool sets and like how much money it got them and thinking like oh this is perfect for the people who do that but for real Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but here's the full quote uh from the person that interviewed them on uh pocket gamer uh interviewer implementing monetization early on the process and conversation or, or implementing monetization early on the process in conversion is certainly an angle that has been, that has seen pushback from some developers riccatello uh ferrari and some of the other high-end car manufacturers still use clay and carving knives it's a very small portion of the gaming industry that works that way and some of these people are my favorite people in the world to fight with they're the most beautiful and pure brilliant people they're also some of the biggest fucking idiots i've i've been in the gaming industry longer than almost anybody getting to the gray hair and all that it used to be the case that developers would throw their game over the wall to the publicist and salesforce with literally no interaction beforehand the model is baked into the philosophy of a lot of art forms and medium. And it's one that I'm deeply respectful of. I know their dedication and care. But this industry divides people between those who still hold to that philosophy and those that massively embrace how to figure out what makes a successful product. And I don't know a successful artist anywhere that doesn't care about what their player thinks. This is where this cycle of feedback comes back and they can choose to ignore it. But to choose to not know it at all is not a great call. I've seen great games fail because they tune their compulsion loop to two minutes when it should have been an hour. Sometimes you wouldn't even notice the product difference between a massive success and tremendous fail before this tuning and what it does to the attrition rate. There isn't a developer on the planet that wouldn't want that knowledge. And so, like, yes, I would say, in a sense, Riccatello is right where the quote is kind of pulled out of the context, but that greater context is still emblematic of a person that has i think in the mind of a lot of indie devs a a much grosser perspective on what what they desire the game industry to be like right in in riccatello's eyes if i'm reading this correctly he desires an industry where everything is Fortnite, right where everything is a free-to-play games as a service model that is nickeling and diming people 
to the nth degree and making tons of money because the base game itself is free. But hey, you want that cosmetic or you want this little like XP bonus and why don't you give us some real money to get our funny money to buy some stuff in our store and like and and the giveaways are, are like in the terms successful artist like how he is defining successful is not how everyone does and it's clear he's he's like yeah it's it's a money thing yeah well i mean and also like there there's like a couple of stratifications there right where it's like in in his mind he thinks that like if you are a single purchase game like direct sales model you sell someone a 20 30 40 60 dollar product and that's all the money you make off that single customer he sees that as a failure he thinks that like that has no room in the game industry and he's wrong like he's wrong but it's just because there are these whales you know these these colossi of of just games that rake in tons and tons of money and he thinks oh we should all be looking for that and it's and it's kind of gross Mm -hmm. well it's pretty gross um yeah but it's like it's there there are different types of monetary success so like you could still desire that monetary success and just be like oh we made a game that sold really well like and we don't like have any monetization stuff on the back end and i think that's fine but like that just doesn't compute to riccatello so to completely leverage and redirect this company whose primary goal is to make a game engine a very popular game engine and to redirect it in this way to only benefit uh these whales is is a terrible strategy and i like in wall street and not not that we should be concerned about what investors think but like (laughs) it seems that shareholders in wall street and investors of unity since unity has gone public since riccatello took over um seem to agree because the the stock did dip uh since the announcement of this and there's like a shareholder lawsuit in effect yeah i didn't read too much into that so i don't know what the exact wording is um but to kind of, you know, take a look back into history, if you're not familiar with John Riccatello, he's kind of a an infamous figure uh, in games where before being the CEO of Unity, he was the CEO of EA. Right. Um, and probably led EA through <laughs> what was probably its worst era. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I, people might recall it winning worst company, uh, like... <laughs> two three right. years in a row uh yes. <laughs> um, um beating comcast somehow <laughs> right which is which is quite the accomplishment um yeah i have this i have this other quote here um from this other article from barons a a publication i do not read since it seems primarily finance focused um but it says here, the lack of deal success might also not come as a surprise for those who have followed the career of Unity CEO John Riccatello. He joined Unity as a private company in 2014 after serving as the CEO of video game publisher Electronic Arts from 2007 to 2013. Riccatello made numerous deals during his tenure there that didn't work out. EA stock also fell by more than 60% during his time as CEO. Jesus. Well, 
One of Riccatello's first moves at EA was to buy a $167 million stake in the Chinese online game operator, The Nine LTD. The company's share price fell more than 90% in the ensuing years. Riccatello also made the expensive decision to compete in the online subscription multiplayer market against World of Warcraft, which fizzled. He also acquired numerous gaming studios, including Playfish, Pop, Cap, and Pandemic, all of which were at least partially shut down years later by EA. Yeah, I think... I think the number is hovering around like a dozen or so studios that he shuttered during uh, his tenure at EA and like a lot of like shifting stuff. Like, I don't think EA is in like, I had I had some conversation with some people that like are not as embedded in the game in- industry, but like still play games and they still don't really like EA. And I assume it's like just bad blood from this era, but I feel like a- EA now and like kind of Fine. like... It's like in an upswing. Like I think the things they're doing is what I would say. Well, I feel like they're doing really smart stuff. Like obviously, respawn seems like the golden child of right. EA, right? Yeah. And I think they are realizing that and positioning both respawn as well as uh, uh, Vince Ampella, one of the co-founders of respawn, into a smart place so they can keep seeing this success with like Jedi Fallen Order and Apex Legends, um, and like. They put Vince at like the head of Dice, which what is the the historical Battlefield Studios, because right. Dice has kind of been on the the downslide in in recent years. Um, but yeah, I think Riccatello is just like he's he's a Bobby Kotick type, right? He is like mm-hmm. he his perspective on like what games should be is just gross, and I it's think is numbers driven, right? And simple, and it, and it, and it's just it's counterintuitive especially to a company that makes a tool set for other developers uh and i i have i have friends that um i have different game dev friends that i've spoken to and one of them makes a really big deal about how unity doesn't uh the phrase she uses is dog food their engine um which means they don't internally create try creating a game with the tool sets that they themselves build to like basically test out and it's you know epic does this right because they had Mm -hmm. gears of war and unreal and Fortnite, obviously to like make sure that unreal engine works well as a game engine and unity historically has never done this and they actually were recently in the process of working on a game internally that they then scrapped it was like 90 percent of the way done uh and then they they canned it and then also uh there were like layoffs a couple weeks ago. It was like 4% of the unity workforce. And most of the layoffs came from internal game dev engineers that were right. working on that. Was so, yeah, that I, wasn't there like a demo or a trailer of it shown off? Yeah. They had recently? like, yeah, they had like development blogs about it and stuff. Um, okay. they, The announcement for the uh, like cancellation or like the halting of the project had like some pretty uh, telling language where it's like, like yeah, it's like we got most of the way done, but we realized to like get it that final, you know, that final stretch. You know, it's basic like last ten percent of the the is the hardest is the ninety percent of the effort. Um, And people were like, yeah, dog. that's game dev <laughs> like <laughs> duh um uh, who didn't tell riccatello about this <laughs> like yeah um and then also like they shut down or they announced plans to like sunset unity answers which is like a big stack overflow style like uh uh support 
um, yeah. platform. One of, one of the biggest sources of like information on what to do when you're stuck on something, making a game in that engine. Yeah, and they... They said something about like, oh, it's really hard to like support because like Unity Answers also is kind of notorious for like having really old answers that are like propagated to the top that like are mm. no longer relevant to the actual <laughs> to the way the engine works the, nowadays. Like the, yeah, the current version and yeah. what the best answer which, should be now. But yeah, which is which is understandable, but also like okay, then put more resources into that to make it better not less stop throwing money into things like their gambling initiatives or like their (laughs) defense the department of defense contracts or oh my god yeah i I think there are some smart acquisitions that unity has made like they they bought weta workshop which i think is smart like i mean like game engines have now been utilized by hollywood for special effects and i think that that worked like speed tree won like a oscar once for like best technical <laughs> something or other one of the oscars That's that awesome. doesn't get actually like shown on stage one of the like ones they sure, like sure, just yeah. like hurriedly announce beforehand um you don't want a bunch of nerds walking up there exactly stage. yeah they're not celebrity actors <laughs> uh, yeah, get them no out of here <laughs> no one's gonna slap the other one <laughs> so that we can gossip and write tons of columns about um they also bought parsec which is like kind of a uh, team viewer style uh, 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 remote oh, yeah. desktop thing, which apparently, uh, just from like murmurings I've heard from like other like podcasts run by like games media people, like a lot of for like pre-release stuff, a lot of game publishers use that. And it's like, okay, we're gonna set you off the Parsec instance, and you're gonna log into like our desktop over here and like play the demo since yeah. everyone's still work from home because of the pandemic. And so I which think that's really smart. Cool. I think that's a smart yeah. thing. But like yeah, some of these other things too Was wasn't the goal for that to make like a Unity build that could sort of Google Sheets or, or Google Docs itself. Like you could have multiple people working on the same project at once. That would be cool. I mean I haven't read too much into it, but it would be cool to see something like that. Yeah, um I, I heard something about that and I believe it was about that purchase trying to to create a a Unity that could uh, yeah basically have a synchronized instance across multiple uh users stadia has something very similar where you can literally like uh or at least in the demos i saw many gdc's ago is that you could (laughs) just you could uh export a build and tie it to like your cloud your google drive or whatever and then just send someone a link and they could play it in browser that's really cool Um, i could update on the fly i i keep living in this world uh, or, or, or at least believing in a world where Stadia can be cool, <laughs> like like I believe it has potential. I'm like the the that's the grassroots of something very awesome to come later. It's just we're not quite there yet. <laughs> I think their initiative was was weird. It was it was half baked. It was and also super like, weird. It it definitely showed like Google's uh genuine sense of noncommittal. Um, well, well, the the, well, the that, thing that they do where they're just like ah we don't know about this one but we're gonna put it out there you can, yeah. Uh, yeah and and also like they're you know the general tech industry is kind of disdain for video games seeing it as kind of like a a a lesser industry or media it's like oh we want to we'll gladly take the game industry's money but like consider it an art form or like give it like the attention it deserves no way and I think like one of the big things that made Google balk at the 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 original game plan for Stadia was when they saw 
uh, Microsoft spend all that money, Bethesda, and they're like, fucking, they spent how much on video games? We got to do what to compete in this space? No, I'm, we're good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it brings to mind, I was watching something like a documentary on the history of emulation, and it included this bit where, I don't know, whatever the big Apple presentation was back in like the 90s, uh, late 90s, uh, Steve Jobs on stage announcing a licensed playstation one emulator for max oh wow like but but i mean the point of the documentary wasn't that hey isn't this weird it it was it was like you know here's an interesting perspective apple wanted the gamers but they didn't want to spend any money on like getting people to make (sighs) games for apple yeah just here's an emulator now you can play all your playstation favorites on on mac well that's by our computers please yeah i mean that's just the cyclical cycle of of apple right it's like they want they want to be in games because they want that money but you know they do things like oh we don't consider games real art so they don't get the same kind of artistic protections as like books or movies do on our platforms um we like this latest thing with like and now google's doing it i just saw a article this morning that both Apple and Google have something where if you do not update your application frequently enough, then we will delist it. And on right. Google side, they are just kind of <laughs> hiding it from search, which is as bad as delisting it. But um, that is delisting it. I mean, it's not yeah. removing it from the app store, but that that's technically, yeah, that's delisting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just because like they consider games, primarily software and it's like okay if your software is you know you it's been two years since you've updated your software then like it could be prone to exploitations or like hey have you considered our in-app purchase initiatives like maybe you could put something in there for that um and game developers very much like no i made the thing it's done i put it out on your platform i shouldn't have to touch it anymore right um and I saw the comparison I saw was like, imagine a, a bookstore had like a abandoned where or something <laughs> section. And that's like where they put all the Shakespeare and Jane oh Austen and everything like that. It's like, oh, this is like the unsupported delisted. The the writers don't care about this anymore. Right. It, it's in, in my experience. This happened to me where I have like an app icon pack that I like on, on the Play Store. And when I got my, my new phone. I went to go download it and it wasn't available and I was just like what the fuck it's literally just a collection of PNGs packaged in a way that Google will accept it onto the Play Store but because he's like I've made these PNGs I don't need to do anything else with this it's just yeah. gone just no you can't have it anymore it's I I just want my PNGs Google <laughs> I had to go like hunting for an APK <laughs> somewhere yeah. out there right yes at least you can sideload stuff on Android which is nice yeah uh, you don't even get that luxury on um, Apple unless you break the law. Anyway, oh uh, no! Yeah, <laughs> which isn't—it's re- not really breaking the law. It's just your warranty. But anyway, well, they'll gladly let you do it for like uh, iOS beta trials. Like I just updated to the the test flight or whatever they call it, the beta program for iOS 16. And it's like you fucking download that through the Safari browser. You go to a Safari web page and you hit a button and it automatically connects to your settings app and just puts the installation file there. So it's like obviously that ability is there. It's only available to Apple though. It, yeah, it might have something to do with like how those apps are signed because I know Apple has weird restrictions on yeah. how 
what what kind of software could be used on what depending on like what kind of license is attributed to it right it's a weird security measure but anyway which, which also makes it really hard to release games on uh mac os now because uh previously steam slash valve had like a automatic signature uh arrangement with apple where it's like hey if you put a dot app file if you upload a game that works for mac on steam we will automatically sign it for you so like your your mac doesn't flag it as malware and apple told them you can't do that anymore so now it's even harder to uh make games for mac because each individual developer has to open up xcode and figure out the the signing process and we're getting away from the main point i yeah I, I, I wanted to throw in another perspective here, which is that well, while I have seen this steadily shift, um, more and more people are, are sort of... I, I've been seeing more comments, like YouTube comments, what the hell, uh, saying like, you know, Unity is actually used to make several great games. It's just, you know, nobody ever really remarks on those. Hearthstone, Hotline Miami, whatever. Um, but like the prevailing sense in the gamer sphere that unity is the engine for crappy shovelware and and like mobile games with heavy monetization and like no creativity all all money um this is not helping uh (laughs) yeah this is like the the my main takeaway from all this was like well you're just kind of feeding that 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 thought now uh and and keeping it alive which is unfortunate because yeah we know lots of people who make great games in unity and Damn it. Damn it. Uh, why Why is Riccatello still have a job? Why is he still around in this That's industry? That's a great question. Because it sounds like if he's losing his company's lots of money and not making great decisions, by now people would maybe stop hiring him? You would think, but hey, when it, people kind of fail up when it comes to the C-suite. Like once you're in there, it's yeah. kind of easy to worm your way into another company. Um, I would not be surprised if there was some sort of... Maybe this would be extreme, but some sort of vote of no, no confidence from the board or some sort of like, uh, uh, you know, coming down hard on Riccatello somehow. It's like, hey, you need to fucking you need to you need to redirect the ship because some of the stuff you're doing here is is uh, uh, devaluing our, our strengths because what made Unity great was the engine and like the easy accessibility and the free tier. And it's like, you know, way before that you would have to spend ungodly amounts of money. It like reshaped the industry because there was a, there was a vast divide between like the quote unquote real engines, which mostly was just unreal. And then maybe mm-hmm. like X and a or whatever, but X and a was also kind of like mostly an indie thing, but uh, like cry engine. Un- sure. But like even cry engine, like is so weirder, than yeah. unreal like un, like people it's why like so that cry engine from what i hear <laughs> it's why so many people it's why so many games in the like 360 era had the unreal splash screen because it was right. it was easy to license easy to use but it was still out of reach of small independent developers and then that's why independent developers went with things like x and a which was microsoft's old engine that like fez was built on and then like game maker came in and things like that and then unity came in and really bridged the two it's like we have a very robust 3d 2d engine like it's yes it's i acknowledge there's a lot of problems with unity that like it's a very patchwork in a lot of places they have their fucking rendering pipelines that that's all a mess and i don't love the the ui stuff i i wish the ui stuff in 
Unity was as turnkey as it is in Unreal. Because every time I see that Unreal UI canvas, I'm like, oh, God, like, I just so desperately wish I had this in Unity. <laughs> but, yeah, that all said, you know, I'm sure out there in the void, I wouldn't know because I think these types of people I have muted or blocked on Twitter. But I'm sure there's a there's a contingent of indie devs where it's like, glad I'm sticking to Game Maker, lol, or glad I'm using this, lol. And it's like, you know, I'm I'm two years into a, a Unity project, and you know, I, I there's definitely sunk costs, right? It's like I there's no way I'm going to switch to like Godot or anything, right? Like in the middle of a project, maybe in the next project I will look into that. Possibly, who's to say? But also. Uh, like these decisions as shitty as they are and as much as I don't agree with them don't make don't ruin unity the engine tomorrow right, right. it's not like I'm going to wake up tomorrow and it's like oh my god this software is now 10 times worse it's like this all sucks I could see a future where unity becomes a bad engine to deal with because the support for the engine itself has languished in favor of all these other stupid initiatives that unity the company wants to do mm-hmm. um but that day is not today this is a step closer to that future and that reality but that reality is still not realized as much as john riccatello might <laughs> want it to be yeah you're you're but you know you might get off this podcast open unity and it's like oh make an iron source account and then you got to prove your your uh grouping models or your number yeah. whatever's before your you can KPIs? hit build. Here's yeah. your <laughs> yeah. no one's playing your game yeah fucker because the game ain't out yet it's like well, why don't you put it out a bit why don't you put out a, a release open source because it's a narrative driven thing just do an early access thing <laughs> get, a us, get us a little single money. player game it's like well why would you want to make one of those you can't fucking nickel and dime people with the yeah. you know cosmetic you store consider that. including a hat store put a hat store in your game <laughs> yeah Classic. We're gonna take it all the way back. You know, yeah. Valve had the right idea. Selling hats, uh, horse armor. Put some horse armor in your game. <laughs> this all goes back to horse armor. This all I, goes I, back to horse armor. <laughs> so, on that very brief, very brief note, just small tangent. I've been playing Oblivion oh my uh, God. recently because I never played Oblivion, and when I tried playing Oblivion for the first time on like my PC a couple years ago. I was like, I can't do this mouse and keyboard thing. Not for like this, this RPG. Like this has to be a controller and controller support, uh, native controller support for oblivion on PC does not exist, but there's a really good mod that has, was created in the past couple years. Uh, after I like gave up on my first try, someone stepped in and was like, Hey, we've like, this is full on controller support. It's great. Um, when you start that game, cause I'm playing the game of the year edition, whatever deluxe, whatever, whatever. Cause it mm-hmm. has all the DLC and all the shit. You get like a bunch of letters. It's like, oh, you own this piece of property and that piece of property because it's all part of like the the game of the year edition. One of the things is you can get horse armor. Go to this like stable and just pick up your horse armor. You already have it. And I was like this fucking like a horse oblivion horse armor is like up there with like hot coffee mod in terms of things that are just going to like haunt this industry forever (laughs) until it's until it's dying days. Yeah. I was having a conversation with someone like a week ago where I was a sudden thought was like, I forget what spurned it, but if it was cat armor, do you think like gamers would have eaten DLC a little easier? <laughs> it was something less, less, I mean, less absurd well, or, or like maybe just more absurd, but like more palatable because people love putting things on cats. I, I don't know. And I know you can't get a cat in oblivion, but just like. 
the fact that cats are Maybe so more revered. Well, okay. <laughs> I I just, you know, it's it's funny to me how I, I think part of what created the initial reaction to horse armor was that it was like non-functional fucking horse armor. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. And that they were selling it for a premium for like whatever the amount because they still used microsoft points like back then so it was like 400 microsoft points you're like okay how much is that it's like 250 or something 275 um also like ea in that era was selling like actual better weapons for battlefield like you could like buy guns that did like you were it was literally pay to win and that was during the ricatello era anyways uh yeah Brickatello yeah. is a bad is a bad boss. Bad, bad, bad CEO. CEO. <laughs> oh man. Let's get off this topic, Alex. Sure. What say you? Uh do you want to talk about some video games? Yeah, we can talk about video games. Wanna talk about video games? Um I'm gonna um You wanna pick I, one I'm, from the list at random or uh I'm gonna I'm gonna let you pick. What are you what are you feeling? Oh my gosh. Uh man. All right. Uh, I'm. This is the freshest in my head. So so let's talk about tunic. Cause tunic, tunic, tunic. Uh, cute fox game. Secret legend. Foxy Zelda. I've heard it called many names. Uh, I was not aware until very recently that this game is uh, what I've been terming, but we as a society need a term for these kinds of games: a lateral puzzle game. Okay. Which yeah. which is to say it's it's like got all of the an- you have all of the tools at the start but you don't have the answers and how to use sure. them. Yeah. Um uh, we should we should preface this by saying uh you have beaten the game, I have not beaten the game. Correct. Um we will probably it, it, tune a conversation only goes in the spoilers. So if you're concerned about any sort of spoilers, yeah. I would like to not be spoiled from beyond where I am. So if you want right. to, we could talk about up until where I've gotten. And and, um, and I'm maybe not going to go past that too, because there's a pretty huge spoiler right before where you are. Sure. Um, but just spoiler but yeah. warning. If you're concerned about being spoiled on tunic, yeah. we'll probably talk about that stuff. Uh, so when I realized that's what it was, when I, when I saw some more footage and some more tweets about it, I went, Oh shit. And, and like I already bought it day one, but I just like was waiting for a rainy day. And but like I started it that night because because that's how you get me nowadays. Is you tell me it's got like that Outer Wilds Oberdin style of 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 solving puzzles. Yeah, fucking love that shit. Um, I mean, I mean, the closest <laughs> comparison for this game is Fez, right? Like I feel like this Fez, is yeah, this is the inheritor of of Fez of Fez's design, and I uh. And and I think it goes beyond just that there is a, a secret language to translate in it. I I mean maybe maybe not. I don't know. But you don't like have to translate any of it. Well, okay, sure. that's not true. But it, but well, it has it has that like style of like collaborative discovery. And yes. and, and and you know full disclosure, <laughs> like I I had access to like pre release builds on this and everything, and I helped a little bit with playtesting, like my name is in the credits like not three supposed times. to be a, three time not 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 to be a brag <laughs> but just like just to have all of that out there and i talk a lot to like andrew's the main dev and we've interviewed him before on the podcast and talk a lot with the finchy people but like even on even within 
the Finji Discord. Like they they knew that like the case was to like discover stuff collaboratively with other players. So they have like a tunic general and then like a tunic secrets chat and then a tunic deeper secrets chat. Like they have multiple tiers of like discovery. It's like how far are you in the game? Okay, we're gonna open this door for you, or like mm-hmm. we're gonna point you in the direction. It's like you can now go into this chat uh and possibly discuss some kind of deeper secrets within the game. And from what I understand, they also did that with press people. Uh, yeah. to help kind of leverage that just dis- that discovery yeah yeah i was actually reading a bit about that that there's like a separate puzzle in the game that's like press only kind of but you can still find it if you know what to look for oh interesting. uh yeah um which is cool uh it, it's it's very beautifully done in that sense um gameplay wise it's sort of like a top-down zelda but more isometric um Mm. and it uses this to create platforming puzzles of a sort you don't really jump but you get a like grappling hook uh and something else that i won't spoil um but if you've seen the environment then then you already know that there's going to be something else to help you get to places that you can't get to right now even with the grappling hook um it's it's got a locked perspective so like there's a lot of like oh you go around this corner and it's going to show like your silhouette because it's you're obfuscated by the 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 level design right and there's like oh a chest or like some i mean sometimes it's like critical path it's like you have to like (laughs) i I do that a lot in that game where i just kind of like push on the geometry and see what like lets me what what gives way and lets me keep walking the old uh, Doom adage about, like, to discover secrets, you had to hump the walls, which was how just because you would have to run alongside them and consistently just, like, spam the interact button, which makes him grunt. So you're just, like, uh, 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 as he, like, run across. Yeah, to try Colorful. and find a secret. Yeah. Um, in Tunic, it's it's very much about, like, is that a... That's a corner. I could go around that corner? Oh, what's behind that corner? And, like, seeing how far you can get with that uh finding all sorts of things that way uh man and it also it does use the lock-on camera to kind of provide an alternate angle that occasionally is useful um because the lock-on camera will cause the camera to pan like up yeah tilt shift a bit right um and and it, it there has been cases where that is used to help you solve a puzzle interesting interesting um um and yeah so it's like it's basically z targeting in zelda i do want to say that like i've seen this i've heard the zelda comparison a couple of times and again maybe it's just because i'm so embedded with the devs and talk to them so frequently like don't go into this expecting it's i mean i'm sure if you want to play this game you probably already played it but like this this game looks cute and friendly or whatever and zelda like in its presentation but the combat is dark souls like it's it's a souls like right and i was going to get into it um it's it's tough it's challenging in its combat you have to know how to read you have to know how to time your attacks um you have to know stamina management which is cool i wasn't expecting that um but that is baked core into the game and there is a uh, bonfire system even your checkpoints are where yep. you last rested at one of these if you use uh, one it respawns all the enemies mm-hmm. uh i will say that it is far easier than dark souls um it, with a a num for a number of reasons uh one you don't lose all of your money all of your upgrade points uh when you die and getting them back 
this is really cool. Uh, you leave behind like a like an echo of your last self, and if you go and touch it, it gets you all your money back. Also, it does damage to all nearby enemies in a pretty wide radius. Yeah, it does um, like an AOE blast that apparently, from what I understand, can also trigger explosive barrels and other stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> gotta be careful of that. Uh, fire very dangerous in this game. Uh, learned that a couple times. Uh, and it, I couldn't figure out exactly how to put it out. I was like, I, I roll, right? Roll a bunch of times to, to put fire out. But like sometimes I would and it wouldn't go out as quickly as other times. I don't. So I wasn't sure. Uh, hmm. Might have been rolling into more fire. I was sort of panicking in those moments, most likely. Uh, and, and the entire game is also very Dark Soulsy in the sense that it doesn't tell its story. It gives it to you in in play moments in in sort of uh there's a lot of visual and implied storytelling going on throughout just experiencing the world and and playing through it uh that's one of the coolest parts because given how it's implied uh it really goes places kind of throws a lot of curveballs um it has it is tough to talk about this without spoiling it but um it's it's just the fact that it will show very specific things in a very specific way to make you feel like oh this is this is it i'm i'm gonna do this and be the hero and the way things end up going the way that story evolves this narrative told entirely through your actions and the reactions of the world around you is very well done phenomenal even uh, i probably the most taken aback by that at the end of all things uh but yeah um and so i should cover a smidge of how like the puzzle solving works which is you are throughout the game collecting lots of things but one of the Probably the most coveted pickups, for me anyway, were these sheets to an instruction manual, Mm -hmm. which literally like pause the game, zoom out from the screen, like break the fourth wall. There's like a TV screen suddenly. Yeah, they put like like a CRT filter on the thing and do like a four by three zoom out. Right. And and so suddenly you're like paging through the pages of a physical manual that that you've been collecting bits and pieces to. And this manual is it's how you play the game but because you're kind of dropped into this without no prior knowledge it teaches you certain things that you would not have been aware of like one of the first things that it ends up teaching you is that you can hold the a button for three seconds and depending on where you are that can activate certain triggers and it's like no one was going to hold the A button for three seconds without knowing that it did something. It's it's all like built around stuff like that. Yeah. And and there's other things like that that these pages unlock. And the other neat thing is the manual's written in the same language that the rest of the game is, so you basically can't understand it. Uh and you have to gleam it through pictures and through other things. Uh and and if you want to try and translate it, you can. Uh but I actually got by really far without translating anything i think up until a certain puzzle but um man i think that's all i can say without getting into like 
the really, really cool part that I wish I could share, but Dylan's not there yet. <laughs> not there yet. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just going to second a lot of the stuff you've been saying, Alex, is that the, the s- discoverability in this game in terms of unlocking stuff and figuring things out uh, is very impressive. Like, like Andrew and co the whole tunic team makes it look very easy. Like makes it look like, Oh, this is so simple. Like this just folds out in this kind of elegant way. And you discover like it both with the kneeling to like for the prayer, um, the run, how like the roll turns into a run if you if you keep holding down the roll button things mm-hmm. like that that just like simplify the game without any sort of tutorial tooltip dialogue or journal entries you know have but, you unlocked it, any of the memo pages um are those like the little coaster things no uh they're like the last two pages in the book oh um so okay like like blank note pages no i don't think yeah. i've gotten those yet okay, i was gonna say that's um, another cool thing that reveals but i i can't anyway but the so like there are like these little coasters right that are like kind of equipable kind of bonuses that oh yeah I, yeah yeah i didn't know what to do with and then there's a section of the map and it where doesn't like, explain what they do <laughs> no um there is like again like a a a manual page but it's all in the glyph system and there's like little itty bitty like scrawled on notes and like pen to like give that manual like an extra flair of like oh this is some child's you know instruction manual that they that they used to have them next to them while they played this game um but like there's an area of the map where you just take passive damage because there's like a choking like fog or miasma that's just around mm-hmm. and it took me a while to figure out like one of those coasters if you equip it it equips your character with a mask because there are these enemies that run around that area that have a mask um it's like a you know uh like a a, a filter ma- like a gas mask mm-hmm. um and like and that itself communicates that entire system to you right it's like you equip this right. one it's like oh this gives you a passive bonus oh what do these other ones do and i haven't mm-hmm. really delve deep into the rest of them but yeah there, there's a page really cool. that lists them and the, like you said it's got like ballpoint pen notes on it which is maybe one of the cooler details in this manual that there's a lot of like notes from a previous owner um that kind of help guide you along a little bit and i th- yeah. think for that charm it even has in the glyph system like the page number for that map to basically say hey you're gonna need this um as well as like a picture of the mask with some glyphs next to it kind of sitting near it and i think if you translate that it's like you're gonna need this if you if you go in here um yeah it's it's dangerous to go alone etc etc right um but yeah i think i think the one thing that the the one con that this game has if if i were to find one is that to me the comparison to fez is a double-edged sword because while i really enjoy fez i never did the language stuff like i read up about it afterwards and it's like fucking you can unlock the ability to fly and whatever but like i know so many people that are like obsessed it's like oh like it was amazing i'd be on forums or whatever and we would like be collectively like brute forcing figure out this language i'm like that's great i did not have that experience so therefore (laughs) that's that means nil 
to me like like everyone's experience with games is different i can appreciate that from like your perspective or whatever but i did not have that nor did i have it with this game nor would i really want to seek it out so to think that that aspect is a passive kind of uh boon to the game to everyone that experiences it which i feel like sometimes that stuff is is really communicated that way um it's those lateral thinking games have that against them where it's like not everyone's going to figure everything out so to treat your experience as universal in these types of games is it, it, it really bugs me so like i i'm looking forward to completing and finishing tunic and if you say like i don't have to do that much translation great yeah but i'm never going to be the person that sits down with a notebook and start looking at every glyph in the game and trying to figure out what they all mean um as far as my experience went there was one optional puzzle that that i opted to solve because i think a game is special well games are special for lots of reasons but i i I think one thing of note is that this game made me take notes i i had like a notebook next to me and a pen and a pencil uh to to solve certain things and one of them was translating a set of glyphs on something Mm -hmm. um i think that was like the one time it came up sure and i'm not against that like inherently like i did a little bit of note taking for Oberdin when i played it um and uh, uh kate gray uh friend of the friend my friend i was gonna say friend of the show but do they have to be a friend <laughs> do they have to be on the show to be a friend of the show i don't know i don't know my friend kate gray uh she wrote a piece for nintendo life talking about uh she's w you call these games lateral thinking games she's been calling them metroid brainias oh that's um, really good because it is that like the and we've talked about this before with like outer wilds like the thing that stops you from progressing is knowledge right and yep. that is that is the only blocker um and i've been kind of fumbling around with this piece for the ward site for for a long bit actually like since i've played 12 minutes so like <laughs> half a year now um but uh, uh thinking about like game friction especially in puzzle games and like what turns me off from certain puzzle games versus what doesn't mm-hmm. um and while inherently i don't have a problem with the note-taking stuff i think it like it it really uh, uh punishes players that step away from a game right Mm, or um punishes players that like have a very kind of low patience for re-experiencing the same loop because like in a traditional puzzle game um and i would kind of consider well i don't know a lot a lot of the moment to moment puzzles in tunic are much more zelda like and traditional as opposed to like the long uh puzzles in something like outer wilds but in outer wilds the time to reset to the original state to try to solve the puzzle again is basically the length of the time loop was at 22 minutes whereas like if i'm playing like a block sliding puzzle in your average zelda game and i put it in a unwinnable state i could just exit the room and walk back in and it resets it right so like the reset time is instantaneous so these all these things that like cause the friction and while I'm not inherently opposed to like sitting down and writing glyphs down and translating stuff, I wish there was more feedback in those types of games. 
Um, because me walking around to every inch of the map and writing down every thing of every instance of a, of the language, mm-hmm. like there's no real handholds for me to like get to the next spot. And I mean, I'm sure there is if I'm looking hard enough, but it's the same thing with the Fez thing, right? It's like there is a single room with the full cipher for the Fez language and yeah. it's a lazy dog uh, the quick fox jumping over the lazy dog. It's literally a fox sprite jumping over a dog and they have the whole language there spelled out for you. But if you don't find that room, the rest of the language doesn't mean anything, right? It's like, the so so there are no handholds on that sheer cliff wall. It's either you don't understand it at all, you understand it fully. Mm-hmm. And I wish there was more things kind of along the way, smaller puzzles that led me to that ultimate realization. That's yeah, that that's a good point. I will say again, just translation is not a hard requirement ever in this. No. So you'll you'll probably do fine. However, uh I, I don't know if you have a deep seated hatred of ARGs coming <laughs> off of inscription or if that was just because inscription left its ending to an ARG, but uh uh there is one of those happening right now with Tunic. Okay. So okay. just just be aware. <laughs> I mean, it, it depends on how I, I just I, I think it ends fine. And the and the ARG is just kind of like a bonus thing to do. And that's what everyone is currently teaming up on. I guess I did not enjoy the ending of inscription. I wish there were more answers. It left me with more questions and answers. And that was kind of frustrating, though. I did enjoy the journey. It was very similar to like my experience with uh inside right it's like oh it's like we're building up to something we're building up to something like what's going to be the big the big pop off and it's like oh okay no i like it's not really anything emotional it's just like ah big monster (laughs) right and like in inscription like you kind of know everything a good 30 minutes before you get into the ending so there's no like ah big reveal but the game kind of sets itself while whether daniel mullins like intentionally set it up that way or not like it does feed into this way it's like okay we like what is fucking inscription spoilers i guess for five seconds like what is (laughs) like is this video game of a demonic or like supernatural origin does the woman that died is she like is her soul trapped in this game like what is everything like what are the answers i'm searching for because you set up all these seeds and you never pay them off and that's what frustrates me right about uh, the ending of inscription and then they hear like well if you play the ARG and then I'm like fuck you I don't want it like like <laughs> if, if you tell a story the ending of the story should be in the story <laughs> not in some extracurricular material that I then have to go and sure. seek out I, I and and I saw it more as like a sequel to the book you know like, sure. like if, if the story is going to continue elsewhere I'd rather that than the story just ends there and, and I'm like, I think that's cool I, I think it's cool that he went through so much effort for the quote unquote sequel for the, for the ARG, um, the, the like cassette or no, the floppy disc buried in the woods, the, the like meeting with someone as no, having the actor who plays in like the, the film recorded moments, meet someone at a diner, um, because they got like far enough along in it that they, that he's like there to help them out or something not dead or maybe it's a prequel i don't know um there's there's like a <laughs> i mean that yeah. stuff is cool like i definitely appreciate it from like a production standpoint i just yeah i wish the ending of inscription left me with more something more fulfilling than what it did that yeah. said like the end quote-unquote credit sequence of inscription is still really cool down to the fact that you play Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> 
against yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a wizard. <laughs> oh man, I, I I had to also think about you know there was something interesting in my head that I don't know if you have any insight on or what, but uh, while playing this, how Andrew. Uh, should I see shoe dice? Shoal dice. Shoal dice. Okay. Um, how he probably approached Finji with this concept, and it occurs to me now that I'm seeing like this happen with maybe a couple of indie games. Like I can also see it happening with with um, Inscription and Devolver of just like coming up to them being like, "I'm making a card game," but yeah, you know, like like with with all the the extra trimmings of, of this, this ARG, this banded puzzle solving, that kind of thing. And, and like Andrew may be saying like, I'm making a Zelda souls like, but like, like it's, it's a, <laughs> I'm wondering if that's like indie publisher, uh, crack right now is, is this idea of sure. Yes. Making, Something making a meta ARG, uh, has that, that, bands more community members together. Yeah. The, the transformers uh, method, something more than meets the eye. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I kind of expect to see more games like this. Because, I think that's because also that. that's also kind of Daniel Mullen's bread and butter, right? True. Like, yeah, all of his games have that sort of thing. So he was like, "Okay, I'm doing, I'm doing one of my, one of my games. You know, one of my you know the demon possessed video games. <laughs> you know the ones. It's, but it's gonna like, kill the player. Maybe <laughs> like, <laughs> they're gonna play, and a little gun's gonna come out of their monitor and shoot them." <laughs> And, and they're like fucking what it's like uh yeah. okay i mean like they're gonna go idea. dig it in the Scratch woods that. for a floppy disk yeah <laughs> and and, uh, and devolver's like do you have the insurance for that <laughs> um so that's tunic and i guess also inscription um yeah both good games check them out uh Let's talk about some more games. Let's try to be a little quicker with these ones, just because, right. like, I don't want this to be uh, as much as we enjoy talking about video games a a, a three hour long uh, ordeal. Um, right. Wordle's quick to talk about. Wordle is quick to talk about. Let's talk about Wordle. Are you still playing Wordle, Alex? I'm actually not. <laughs> I am not either. <laughs> I, I I bowed out. I think maybe three or four weeks after the New York Times acquisition. Um, not not that like anything bad had happened to the app by then. I haven't checked honestly, but I just kind of like got bored with it. Um, sure. That said, the formula is solid, and I keep coming back to things like uh, uh, Zelda Hurdle because I've heard a lot of Zelda music in my day, and I like seeing if I can remember it. Um, which is like Hurdle is a is a subset of yes. Wordle where it plays like a second of a song and then you have to guess what it is and if you guess wrong you get like six guesses and each time it like doubles the length so one second to two seconds to four seconds to eight seconds um and and there's been lots and lots of offshoots uh lots of different video game hurdles i'm sure there's like a halo hurdle out there uh there's uh, the sonic hurdle which was the course. one there's like a generic video game one and then yeah there's a sonic one that i saw um some other clones i really like uh, I like Waffle. Did you ever play Waffle? Didn't play Waffle. <laughs> uh, Waffle is really cool. So that's Wordle. I mean, it's kind of not Wordle because all the pieces are already on the grid. So basically, imagine someone took Scrabble, right? So it's like in the shape of a waffle. So you have like a perimeter of um, five by five letters, and then there's a 
cross section, like a T shape in the middle. So you have, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six uh, different words. And all the letters are available, but they're all scrambled up. So you have to like rearrange them and you have X, X amount of swaps to swap to uh, letters, places. Um, and that one's really fun. And then they have like secret waffle that they show sometimes, which is like an even bigger grid of even longer letters. Um, and that one's really fun. I think my favorite, we're not even talking about Wordle. We're just talking about Wordle clones, but well, this like, is, this is the legacy that Wordle has spawned. And I think it's the, the ultimate yeah. d- like end goal of a discussion about Wordle is, is how cool it is that it captured the attention of so many and spawned so many, uh, I, I, I feel like clones is almost derogatory, but it, yeah. it is, you know, like it's cool it, that this happened. Yeah. Wordle it's, likes. It's the, it's the <laughs> easiest. Yeah. Yeah. Wordle yeah. like is probably better. The clone is just such an easy word to grasp for, but yes, it does have right. a negative uh, connotation. Even our friend, uh, Fred Wood made a Wordle, uh, yes. like in like a week and put it on the switch words with yes. Fred's by words for with Fred. Yes. Uh, um, it's free if it, you own any of his other games. I'm pretty yes. sure. Yeah. Go like, buy <laughs> love, love three. I really like love three. It's probably one of my favorite games this year. He makes very chill, uh, pixel art platformers. Yeah. Um, uh, I really like box office game, which I was playing pretty religiously for a while, which is you're given the top five most gro- highest grossing uh, box office movies of any given weekend from the past like 40 years. And you, have to, you have to guess what they are. And, and you basically have it a lot, a point allotment that you start with and you can subtract from it to unlock hints for each movie so it's like okay give me the director or give me one of the it's like the like the top three build actors it's like okay give me the first one give me the second one or like you can unlock the synopsis uh of it um Mm -hmm. and that one's a lot of fun it's it's fun to figure out like what decades of movies i'm really good with and which ones i'm terrible with unsurprisingly i'm really bad with like the early 90s because i was a child slash infant so hard (laughs) to know like what the highest grossing movie of 1990 was uh or of like september 4th 1990 um but that one i i I love that one because i love challenging myself to how well i know media in general but in that instance um uh, movies i f- i feel like there's no good equivalent to video games like the like the video game hurdle i'm actually really bad at because i don't i mean unless it's like fucking the halo theme or the super mario <laughs> brothers theme like i'm not going to pick up on oh this is from the third level of bastion it's like okay well i'm not one of those sickos that listens to the bastion soundtrack by itself right, so yeah uh, i and what's funny about me and like zelda hurdle is i will either get it in one or i will not get it at all like i <laughs> there's there's like so many um themes that i can pick up on and i can be like oh well this is like easily a, a wooded sort of foresty thing um the quality of it makes me think it was gamecube era uh i'm gonna say this is like twilight princess farron woods and nope and it's like oh shit uh, uh well i'm out <laughs> skyward Swordwoods. nope uh uh twilight princess the like twilight woods nope uh twilight princess forest temple nope and, like it, it'll just like keep going until it's like reveals it to be i don't know something bullshit <laughs> that that's a recent example but like i i can either like name it off the top of my head and and like most of the time 90 percent of the time i like have the whole song off of like the first or second uh guess but i i just like won't know the name of it 
It's uh, hard. It's like yeah. it's just we don't people. I certainly don't think of uh, video game music that way. So I, it's hard for me to imagine other people doing the same. Right. Uh, but it's been fun to try. Um, that that's been the only one I've really kept up with. Uh, but other than that, it's they're cool memory slash guessing games and the shareable aspect i think was a huge deal and it becoming such a huge part of the zeitgeist the fact that you yeah. get such a easily copy pastable emoji uh blanket to mm. to tweet out or post in a discord or whatever and and like keep track of everyone's everyone's progress that's super cool definitely fucked up my uh discord react emoji like suggested ones for all eternity right because it's like okay i want to react to this this discord message like okay do you want the yellow square or the green green square square. the gray square like no i don't want any of these why would you this is a horrible system discord you need to (laughs) work on this please you put it you put a blacklist in. you should have known how this would have fucked up everything yeah oh well at least by this point um well, well that's wordle that's wordle that's wordle alex do you want to talk about Fortnite? yeah we could talk about Fortnite because something very interesting happened to us recently yeah uh where uh, i got into a battle royale period um finally jesus christ finally being a genre battle royales I, are dumb battle royales oh my gosh you play you die <laughs> once and then you have to wait another 40 minutes you got to find your own weapons i don't understand i you know the weapons and I don't still, even float in the air they don't even bounce up and down with a big glowy color if they do they do float and they do have a big big glowy color you can't make that argument uh but I don't think they float. Do they float? Oh, they, I guess yeah, they, they, they Okay, but they don't bounce. They don't like. They don't bounce. They don't, they don't rotate like, and bounce. Like they don't style. Look, yeah. They don't look like pickups, man. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I previously, my disdain for battle royales ran pretty rampant. Although I would always try them um, and and have a decent time. I, I think uh, super totally accurate battlegrounds, Apex Legends were the ones that I was like okay i can see the appeal but like still ultimately walked away from uh and then i played fortnite with you guys just kind of randomly mm-hmm. and man that game's not bad uh i well specifically i think what makes it more enticing nowadays is that it got rid of or, or rather they have an optional no build mode Yes. Which means when you shoot someone, they don't turn into a 12-story building. And suddenly you are aware yes. of your own incompetence uh, in you're this field of, that, of 12-year-olds. Yeah. And, yes. and your abilities as a FPS player are second to your abilities as a Minecraft player suddenly. Um, right. yes. <laughs> which, you, you realize that you do not mainline Monster Energy Drink uh, and Adderall and have like <laughs> the twitchiest of twitch muscles to just be like pop, 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 right you haven't set up all your macros yet so uh here you you can't just like build a tower suddenly to to face off against this child who has been playing this since he was mm-hmm. eight um man so with no build mode fortnite becomes a much more tense twitchy uh more standard battle royale and i have seen the light there there is a real appeal here in like every firefight being very tense and very much like is this it is this it you know 
like uh oh i've come so far i can't lose it all here and and like there, there's an emotional high to it that i think i guess standard shooters can't really compare with anymore um i i understand that now i as much as i still like more standard shooters this is fascinating to me how uh uh deeply this roots itself into an emotional core while looking and playing the way it does <laughs> Fortnite, of course being a game about master chief riding down <laughs> into an island on a rainbow cloud and then yeah. dancing on someone after he kills them with like a buzzsaw launcher maybe yeah. i don't know uh doing, something doing, wacky doing gungam style and then breaking down some supplies with his uh captain america shield right it, it's it's oh man i i am still kind of frightened by this game's ability to appeal to literally anyone and it's uh it's it's mass drive to do that like i i, I don't know i i th- i think even epic was not expecting the uh uh the dam to break as hard as it did when they revealed zero build well maybe they did maybe they had like huge analytics or something but i think like we were all playing halo we were all really enjoying halo infinite and then and i would i would play Fortnite sometime with with friends but you know we would be like okay like 90 percent of the game is fun and then you get to like you're like one of the last five teams left everyone's building shit and they're just like going bananas with a bunch of bullshit and i'm like i can't i can't keep up with this i don't want to keep up with this and so (laughs) i ultimately kind of detested the game because its end game was so bad and then they're like well what if we just took that out and i'm like fucking great sign me up like that's 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 the part that is bad take out the bad part and now you have a really good video game so i think a lot of people like even people that on twitch like i I would it's really like sometimes i still check into PUBG, and it's really hard to find a PUBG streamer because they've either they've gone one or two ways right they've either gone to apex or fortnite right because they're like okay i want the battle royale but i want it a little more laid back or they're like i want fucking balls to the walls the most intense battle royale ever so they go to like escape from tarkov or, oh my god yeah or maybe Warzone. um sure. And like my last bastion of like PUBG streamers was Will Smith of formerly of Tested, then of Foo VR, now of Stray Bombay fame. Uh, he he played PUBG like regularly, like you'd set your watch to it like every night. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I feel like watches of PUBG streams. And I fucking went on his his Twitch channel, and he fucking switched to Fortnite. And wow. I was like, motherfucker! I man, that that's a betrayal. I know. I'm so I can never forgive this person that I've never met before. <laughs> I, I check on Will, if you're listening every once in a while, you know, just to see how that's going. Who's because like uh, Valorant streams just to oh, see how that's yes. going because because yeah. I can't play that game, but I'm curious to see what like characters they add and like how they change it. Um, Harris and I had a had a uh, agreement. Friend of the show, Harris Foster. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Harris and I had an agreement where we we played a lot of Valorant together, and like we were not particularly great at it but it was still a lot of fun um especially as someone that like never played a csgo style game and there was a point where we had like maybe half a dozen losses in a row and we were like okay if we lose this next match we put this game down forever and never touch it again 
and turns out we lost that match. So we put that game down <laughs> and never touched it again. Yeah, I, I got really bad at it real fast. Or rather, I think everyone else got better and I stagnated. But well, uh, it, it, <laughs> that game's made worse by it being free to play. So like if someone's like, oh, I don't want to play against my fellow diamond tier, whatever the fuck the high tier is. Yeah. It's like, I'm just going to create a new account and then just fucking snipe people with my pistol in the fucking Smurf problems rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so anyway. I that was that was about streams. I I think I just want to say uh on top of everything else Fortnite's a good battle royale. Um I like the the feel of the guns. I like the uh the kind of twitchiness of the firefights. Uh feels very arcadey, which is kind of how I like my shooters to feel. On top of that, I think um one thing that Fortnite does really well that I haven't seen a ton of people touch on is I, I will call like Overwatch the golden child of of feedback uh, of not just you know hit markers and and like knowing when you got a kill, uh, but like audio feedbacks amazing in that game. Knowing what sounds are friendly, what sounds are enemy at, at a moment's notice, um, hearing footsteps and knowing exactly where they are. Fortnite also does this really well. I was not expecting so much of it uh to be kind of based on how well you could hear where someone is and i mean if i'm hiding and and i'm like in a safe spot but i like i don't want to engage anyone i don't want to risk my resources and i hear footsteps i will like know exactly where they are and be able to adjust plans accordingly um it that's the PUBG mastered that first i just want to say they? like that okay. that's 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 pretty much like if if there's a lot that makes a battle royale battle royale, but the sense tactical awareness is probably like a huge thing that can be overlooked, especially if you're playing like very casually and not with headphones on. Yeah. Um, because the ability to like kind of triangulate both where people are from walking or running around and also like shots fired and Fortnite kind of eliminates that necessity because they put like little pips on the 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 compass to show where shooting is is also very good yeah but like i do i also really enjoy my kind of ability to do that inherently in PUBG, where if like shooting is happening i will move my character around and like once the audio is not panned to one ear or the other and is localized and centralized in both and i can be like okay the fight the firefight is happening straight ahead right uh and and little like skill things like uh Fortnite has wildlife which Dylan doesn't like but um fucking pigs man they they will like be attracted to gunfire or aggression or something and and like start just like attacking you out of nowhere um and you can shoot at them which makes a lot of noise and tells everyone within like a 5 mile radius where you are or you can like time their charge at you and jump on their back and suddenly you have like a mount that you can ride for a long time. They don't have like a stamina bar. Well, they do, but um, they, they can essentially sprint forever until it runs out. Um, and it runs out very slowly. And uh, that's like the high skill option versus, you know, making a lot of noise. And um, I think progression in the game feels good. Little quest systems are like relatively easy to do. Mm-hmm. And I can hop on and get like one or two levels a day, depending on how I 
gain it. And uh, cosmetics are fun and well polished. I I have a penchant for these OCs mostly. Dylan likes his licensed characters. Look, uh, I got I got Boba Fett. I got Indiana Jones. I got uh, uh, Prowler. I got I missed the RoboCop one. That's you oh, know man. full of regret. He'll come, He'll come back. Yeah, that's the thing I don't really particularly like about this game is like kind of the vaulting feature. Not yeah. vaulting like jumping over something, but vaulting as in like they have a Disney vault equivalent where it's right. like, hey, we're unlocking this thing or that thing. And cosmetics, like cosmetics can cycle in and out. That's fine. But more so like game mechanics and right. the map kind of reshuffling all the time. Um, and there's an aspect where I it's like... I like the oh, map changing because that makes the games feel very fresh. Like knowing like, oh, this area is going to be different now. You know, I suppose, but it also bothers me from a uh, perspective of like the amount of labor <laughs> that goes into every season of like, mm-hmm. all right, you saw this map. This map's never coming back again. Like that season of Fortnite's done. All right, here's a whole new map. And like they change very slowly. Like some stuff, some parts of the map change like very radically and some stay the same, but it's still like someone still has to fucking go in and change the topography of this and like export all these new assets and model all this extra stuff or like add you know, like, like there's still a bunch of work and like, you know, I, I I don't know what the length of an average Fortnite season is, but if it's like, like three months, three months, like yeah. that's a lot of work to do in three months. And I know Fortnite is the most profitable game on the face of the planet right now, but they're still going to try to minimize their labor costs as much as they can, and probably you know you know there were reports of like really bad crunch happening at Epic yeah. over over Fortnite yeah. stuff a while yeah. ago. So it's rough. Um, yes, I enjoy it as a consumer but as someone that is aware of the realities of game development that's it's you know it it really gotta play it it really bothers me Um, yeah and and you know i man i don't know if i'm gonna buy another season i have bought this one so i feel compelled to complete it but uh i i i don't know if i like the season pass style of you you have to play this or you miss out yeah, um, I've never liked that. I, I very recently stopped playing uh, Brawl Stars over that. Wow. Um, I was actually buying season passes regularly in Brawl Stars, and I think they're on season nine now. And this is the first one I'm not, and I'm just gonna like not worry about it. I like the way Halo Infinite does it, where it's like, hey, you buy the season pass, you can put progression towards it forever. Right. Like you just you select whatever season. Uh, or battle pass you want to put progression towards like that's good i I feel like more games should do that because yes i do like if we're talking if we're going back to compulsion loops again like (laughs) i don't like the idea of turning a game into a job or like an obligation and i really think like if there's anything that i really dislike about this current idea the, the the this current trend of game design it's that I really hate the idea of a dead game or calling something a dead game. It's like, oh, oh, this, it's so frustrating. This game does not have if, if it's a game that is a game as a service platform like, oh, this game does not have the content release cadence of a Fortnite, which again, Fortnite, most profitable game on the planet right now. Unreal or, or Epic has a huge, huge staff of developers. So like getting mad at among us or i mean halo infinite like is also you know it's microsoft's also a very big company bigger than epic but it's mm-hmm. still like 
it is unsustainable the way the release the content release cadence of Fortnite operates and i wish more players right. understood that because the longer it sticks around the more it's going to be built into people's heads that that's the expectation and the yeah. shittier they're going to be about it if like people don't meet those expectations so i really think epic is doing no one any favors in that realm by like constantly having this sort of expectation because it just it it, it trickles down the worst way to to other developers and like in a right. god help you god help you if you make a single player one and done type of video game there's just like there's just a whole contingent of game players that could be like who would want to play this and apparently there's a whole contingent of ceos that are like who would want to make this mm-hmm. as my hero sonic once said i want shorter games with worse <laughs> graphics made by people who are paid more to work less and i'm not kidding <laughs> <laughs> exactly all right well that's Fortnite. Fortnite colon zero build uh alex I've talked about two games on mine. You've only talked about one. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you talk about one more? If you want to talk about both, that's fine. I don't need to talk about my third game. I I played Pokemon Legends okay. Arceus. I think it's 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 fun. It's fine. It's we can talk more about it maybe at the end of the year. But it's okay. a, it's a good right. it's a good remake of or I mean it's a, it's a good reimagining Re-invention. of Pokemon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe they're putting main series entries out later this year. That seems bananas to me. Well, I. There are another. I I wouldn't be surprised if Game Freak's crunching, but uh, oh no, absolutely. Um, anyway, I think we need to get this out of the way, uh, and and I'll try and keep it under ten minutes, just right out of the way. I know, I know that the uh, we're going to talk about Elden Ring now because it's been everyone has been shouting game of the year about this one uh since it's been out uh <laughs> and Alex like, is here to say no it's not <laughs> i'm here to say i liked it a whole hell of a lot and that was surprising to me i i mean okay i think i saw a trailer close to release that detailed the aspects in which you can approach this game and i thought huh that doesn't sound like dark souls that doesn't sound like Sekiro Bloodborne that's that's a little more uh, immersive simmy that's a little more uh, like go your own way kind of thing and I like you know was talking Stevie to my brother Nick's a huge fan of Elden Ring oh yeah uh, I and and I, and I think I even like brought it up to my brother I was like I think I'm actually gonna buy Elden Ring and he was like really and I was like well I know you're getting it my brother's a massive FromSoft fan he plays all their games to death multiple replays sure uh the whole shebang um average from a soft fan um (laughs) and and i was like well you're gonna get it i'm gonna try it using our steam family share um and see if i like it and i did and he kept like kicking me off of it because of how steam family share works um which is great by the way uh I, I liked that it just gave me the opportunity in general, but but I was like, I he he like kicked me off one night, and I like joined him in a Discord call, and I was like, all right, I love it, I'm gonna buy it, and he was like, don't buy it, and then he bought it for me, so, um, Aww, so sweet, yeah, he was like really excited to see me getting into a FromSoft game, um, but yeah, like like I had played it at that point for about eight hours, and I something really clicked about it, um, it's not very Dark Souls, or, or rather, okay. Here, here's how I'm going to put this. We have had people on the show even 
uh, uh, old old friends or uh, many people even saying Dark Souls is not hard. Dark Souls is about learning. Dark Dark Souls is at its core supposed to be more of a game where you like learn what to do through defeat than just difficulty for difficulty's sake and then i've talked to other people who say like yeah that's probably true for dark souls one but like two and three seem to run really hard in like the oh people just like us for the difficulty direction and then bloodborne and sekiro are kind of two things two other things altogether. i like elden ring a lot because it feels like the truest imagining of that dark souls is not hard dark souls is about learning how to approach every situation and it is very very open to you doing whatever you want to get through a certain situation and i said from like the very beginning okay i think i'm gonna like do magic because i like the idea of doing lots of damage from a distance and man i at some point through this game like i don't know maybe a third through my playthrough i acquired like the magic uh, version of like Cyclops from the X-Men laser blast from my eyes. I basically acquired a high power sniper rifle. <laughs> that shit carried me through the game so hard. I never had to fight anybody ever again. I just saw them from like across the map and went boink and like deleted them. It was amazing. I And I had so much fun with it. Like, like suddenly this wasn't like about a this wasn't about challenge anymore. This is like about strategy. And I got to have an adventure my way in in like a dark souls world, which I've always wanted to do as I've, as I've mentioned on this podcast a couple of times, I'm always infatuated with FromSoft's world building and their design and and their art. And it just like never got past the walls because there's so many goddamn walls. (laughs) And, and I, I think the way Elden Ring is shaped around letting you approach it in any way and uh, uh, try whatever you want from from magic to to swords to bows to um, just straight up running because it's an open world now and you can like if you don't like going that way because there's like a big thing in the way you can try going around there's probably like a secret path hidden around here I a bunch of times I had like learned that um uh, uh, whenever there was like a big area boss or something, there was like a cave. Nine times out of ten, there's like a cave right next to them that you can just take and and get out of there, and it will take you where you need to go without having to deal with a boss. This game lets you play it without fighting anything. <laughs> it's very. Uh, I, I I don't entirely want to call it an immersive sim, but but it has that feel. Good because you've destroyed that the definition of that genre yeah whatever um let's be dylan's joke until the end of time uh oh, i got several i got at least three <laughs> at least three <laughs> um man and i think uh on top of that tunic and elden ring do things uh to one thing very well the both of them which is discovery and surprise elden ring manages to keep things very very fresh for a very long time you don't really run into that many repeat enemies every dungeon is very unique in terms of like gimmick 
variety, uh, a unique mechanic. Um, every method of doing something is going to be completely different for every player. So that means there's just so much sheer variety happening in this open world. And it feels smaller than other open worlds, but brimming with quality over quantity, right? Uh, and And the fact that like, within minutes of starting this game, you can veer off into a swamp where suddenly you're attacked by a dragon who's way too strong for you because you just started. But then you can say, okay, I'm like, like, like I'm saying that in terms of like, that's a really cool surprise that that's, there's like the scripted event that happens over here where, where the dragon flies in and like suddenly you're in a dragon fight, but like you wouldn't know it because you didn't see him until you entered the area and he flew in. But also the fact that you can say, well, okay, I'm clearly not ready for that and run away and, and go do something else. I, I feel like I'm probably retreading a lot of ground here, but because the, the Elden Ring talk has happened. But yes. <laughs> it's, it's definitely stuff I have heard elsewhere, like in Elden Ring's favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, I feel like it has been positively compared to breath of the wilds open world in terms of like discoverability and just kind of scope um and i think it yes the ability to like oh i because i think from what i understand i think there's an area like very early on the game that you come across it's like oh this is clearly like too hard for you um unless you like really like slam your head against it and it's (laughs) like that's the game's way of subtly quote unquote trying to direct you to like explore more and, and choose your own path and, and way yeah. about discovering the world, which is cool. Um, in the comparison, your, your, your Cyclops laser sniper rifle yeah. thing sounds cool. <laughs> um, and is, I mean, I guess to me feels like indicative of like ways people have historically broken from soft games. Like you find, you find the, the cheat weapon or whatever, the, the one that's like super over, overpowered or overscoped. It was the what last game played at GDQ this year, and um, yeah, they're 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 playing on like a down patch before this particular weapon got nerfed. But the whole strat was to like go for this weapon that absolutely cheeses bosses. And within like a week of it coming out, there was like a pretty famous Souls YouTuber um, who had like uncovered a strategy to basically get from level one to thirty in one kill, <laughs> and then spend all that on essentially your intelligence which is like your casting sorceries um and then going to like find a particular staff and a particular spell and a particular buff item so like a reusable uh potion that resets whenever you use a bonfire but like it that potion makes it so for the next five seconds you don't spend any mana um and then like the staff like boosts a particular kind of sorcery and the sorcery itself is just a continuous like kamehameha of sorts like like a like a big blue beam of damage that just as long as you have mana will stay up so you like down the potion so that you're not uh wasting mana you have the staff that boosts its damage and then you're just like blasting that into a boss's face and and s- some of them will get like stun locked and they just take all of the damage and, and die without even touching you and he was like this is like a really there's like very few bosses that don't die to this super easily <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
So there's like ways to get through it without really facing any difficulty. And and that to me is what made it like the first FromSoft game that clicked and the first FromSoft game that I beat. So I can say that I've done it now. You've done Um, it. You've joined that, that golden pantheon. Right. I'm still never playing Dark Souls (laughs) Bloodborne. Of of annoying assholes on Twitter that never shut the fuck up about... No, that's not you, but I can't. God. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's so much baggage with these games that I think it would would take a lot for me to overcome that. I mean, like... Yeah. What's making me more interested about this game than previous FromSoft games is that the positivity is coming from new sources... Yes. It's not, you know, the rabid fans being like, yeah, it's great. It's great. You, should, it's, you know, FromSoft never it's, misses. It's <laughs> people like me who didn't give a shit until I tried it and was like, oh, this is good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like even Tunic, which is a much more, it's a much friendlier Dark Souls style game. Even that is too hard for me. Like even mm-hmm. that I have, I turn on the uh, no fail mode, which makes you never take any damage and then separately there is a like always full stamina mode so like you just never lose stamina yeah Yeah. and i just use that for the boss fights i turn it off mostly when i'm like exploring like finding regular enemies but it's and i'm sure there's a mod you get that could do that for you i don't know if that's an inherent setting to darks so i mean uh to elden ring or if that like corrupts their vision i don't care i yeah i yeah i really wanted to try sekiro um, because everyone talks about it, everyone loves it, and I was getting through it until I hit a wall, and then I got like a trainer, um, which you can use to like make enemies slower, so you can like react to them better or like make it so you take a little less damage, and it was cool because I could just like tweak it very slightly, and I got to like the point where um it was hard enough that I was like tweaking it too much into values that was like completely kind of ruining the game feel entirely that I thought, okay, I'm giving up on this because I can't, like, play it uh, yeah. without... You can't get in that flow state. Right. Um, without and, having to constantly like, alt-tab and adjust these. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and, th- and that's the thing. Like, I love... I love the right amount of challenge, right? Like, I love playing shadow of mordor and being surrounded by like 20 guys and like getting out by the skin of my teeth because i have to flip over a dude and then block this other guy and then cut that guy's head off and do that i love playing super challenging halo matches and like really having to like throw my whole body and spirit into a match and like be as tactical and as intelligent as possible like i love yeah i love the right challenge but the it you know you're talking about like small little adjustments or whatever through like the thing you were using like i feel like the inherent design of a souls game like they have pulled these levers and adjusted them in such a way that is just like inherently opposed to my state of being and it's like if one of them is like if i took a little less damage like maybe i could like wrap my head around like the style of combat more and like this kind mm-hmm. of you know you know and i'm in my old age i have i have dropped I'm 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 less complaining about the you know ideas of animation priority and stuff like that. I still don't love it, but it's not like you know make or break for me as it used to be. And, um, and I think it's also here to stay. Like a lot of companies are seeing it and thinking like, oh, people really like the style of combat where you have to think about when you're pulling that trigger as opposed to just spamming things. Yeah, uh, but I also never spam stuff in like a 
in a Batman style combat game. It's right, like, I right. Mean, I, I am hitting X, but it's like I'm hitting X with intent. But I, I and, and it I is think that's a right? really good system too. And actually, I would say maybe did it first. I can't remember when Dark Souls came out, but um, it, it's it's different in the sense that like the Batman these WB style uh, of of time or animation priority combat is a little more DDR and a little less uh oh man what would i call it fighting games sure like yeah, yeah. um and i don't grok with fighting games so like that's a that's exactly. a good point of comparison yeah um it's like with fighting games you know anime like heavier attacks have wind ups and lighter attacks have very few uh wind up frames and and it's kind of about stringing together lighter attacks that create more stun to weave into medium attacks that create more stun so that you have enough time for the wind up on a heavy attack to deal more damage and like that's where combos come from yeah and and dark souls and those styles of games kind of inherit that philosophy of uh big payoffs for heavier attacks but understanding timing Um, it also it also might be like the subtlety of the style of animation, right? Because if I do mm. like a jab in like a Street Fighter, and again, I'm out of my wheelhouse because I don't play fighting games. If right. I do like a jab or something, like Ryu is going to like punch really quick. Like you have like a third of a second to comprehend what just happened. It's like, okay, what what just what happened? What did I do? Whereas Ryu and Smash Brothers, like his animations have been lengthened out a bit more. Like you could, like they, 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 there's a lot of intentionality. Like if I swing yeah. a sword in Dark Souls, like it is more like it the animation length is it's probably like it's probably like where the arc is in terms mm-hmm. of it but like the follow through for a heavy attack feels like the like the length like the longest part of that attack feels like it's in a different spot than if it is in uh a, like a shadow of mordor where like i can see like it's just like this very uh uh overpronounced attack all the way through whereas dark souls right. has that right because like don't they have fucking weapons that like drag on the floor and like you're flipping it over your head or whatever yeah yeah i think that exists so yeah i mean it's hard they, like these are yeah. hard things to articulate i would love to read like a a game animation uh, animation experts like comparison of these two things like okay like if we like take the animation uh uh, uh timeline like where where are the points of articulation and how long do they last between these two different things right i, I want to say new frame plus has some videos on this okay. um yeah i might send me your way after this but uh yeah i i, I want to cap off the elden ring conversation with very quickly going over uh one of the cooler aspects to me which was that i felt like i was also truly role-playing in it um whereas i think the last time i did this was skyrim where i kind of when I built my character, I was trying to make sure that like my decisions were based on what they would do and based on uh, like kind of their reactions to what's happening in the world. And I think Skyrim kind of muddies it with this uh, overarching plot, which um, isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it does kind of ruin any chance for your character to feel unique in a sea of others. Right. Everyone's the Dragonborn when they play Skyrim. Well, um, not only that is everyone the dragonborn but everyone's a dragonborn also everyone eventually becomes the arch- archmage of the you know college of whatever the, the see, mage's so college I and specifically did not do that 
because okay. I was like trying to keep this character a little more focused. I think I became a vampire and I and I joined the Dark Brotherhood and the Thieves Guild. Uh, I was playing a real bastard, but like uh, I I was like, okay, I know there's other quest lines to do other things. Um, I know about the Archmage one, but it's like I'm not, I I can't do that. <laughs> like I I've I've committed to this role of an asshole. And it, he doesn't use magic. I didn't want to like put any points into magic. I was trying to like keep it very spec'd. And it was just like, yeah. Um, so, so I think Elden Ring does a very, very good job of making your role playing feel unique in yours. Um, that particular spell kind of became my signature. Uh, as much as I used it, it just, it just like this is. When when friends would watch me play, when my brother would watch me play, or when we co-op, it was just like laser, laser, laser. You're the laser guy. Um, and I and I latched onto it because there's like a bit of lore behind laser and other spells in its category of sorts that they're like tapping into this ancient madness god, and he's got an ending where if you go through a specific set of events. And the cool thing about these quests is that their set of events are difficult to parse and would sometimes require looking at a guide, but like felt very much like you actually stumbling into them or 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 having to very deliberately seek them out uh, without like quest markers or anything. You're you're sort of fumbling around in the dark. Uh, re-listening to old dialogue and trying to go, okay, so they mean I'm going here, I guess? Like, a little more watching road signs than than following a dotted line. Um, so, I, I went through a particularly arduous quest that I hadn't really... Uh, like, like, didn't have a ton of, of knowledge about throughout my experience here. Um, just kind of picked it up as I went along and really felt for my character kind of being this guy who had been touched by this God of madness. This is like me writing headcanon for him, uh, was using all of these madness spells and abilities and was going to do the madness God ending, which is like, kind of a bad one but it's very cool looking you're like basically going to set the earth ablaze and start it anew um and and then i kind of like went through another storyline about helping this woman this main character ronnie uh go through i guess a tumultuous time in her life but ultimately she's like trying to make the world a better place she's she's in the lore and Empyrean, which is this fancy word for kind of like a demigod. And she has the right to ascend to godhood if she touches the Elden Ring uh, and can kind of rewrite the world in her image. And uh, I had like a genuine moment of struggle where it was like, would my character having gone through her quests and done everything required to see her ending should I choose would he have like a change of heart you know having been shunned from society and and like been in tune with the god of madness his whole life like would would he would he forgive would he forgo all of that for for a chance at redemption and like that was the kind of thing i was playing with and and i and i got to really 
live that out in, in kind of a diegetic and uh, just very passionate sense. I So I think Elden Ring does that very well, too. Uh, and that is the last thing I will say about it, because I know you're That's ready cool. to move on. <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm just, you know, just thinking about it, just kind of processing it. That all sounds really cool. And, like, even I very rarely get into that level of role play just because mm-hmm. like my role play style it's like I, I i need to act off of something else which is why i like a bioware style rpg or bethesda style rpg because there are there are other agents in the world that are reacting to it and i know there's like npcs and whatnot in elder ring but like um yeah that's cool though that's really cool um yeah but that but that is elden ring that is elden ring um did you want to briefly talk about falling into magic the gathering or do you want to skip that i i i will try and touch on this very quickly sorry the elden ring kind of got away from me but um it uh gets away from us all it sure does uh well i think this will be fairly simple because i think lots of people know what magic the gathering is i think even if you're not in nerd spheres you've heard of it and if you are you've had some connection to it uh it's been brought up in so many forms of media it is ubiquitous as like the trading card game uh i i looked this up because i was not sure it is the first trading card game um way back in the 90s when this came out there were trading cards but no one was doing a game with them um and i remember trying it in high school because I did have like a trading card phase and I had a bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh cards and I played Yu-Gi-Oh with friends. And uh, at one point we were like, well, let's try Magic. Magic seems cool. Like we could also, you know, we have different decks, play different games. Yeah, why not? And feeling kind of meh on it. Magic is a game that is, because it is so popular, because it is so huge and, and played by so many people, uh, it gets solved very easily. Uh, the meta to magic is very much like a constant. Um, and as soon as like new sets come out and new cards come out, uh, what's like the best kind of deck, uh, in, in whatever format, uh, gets figured out pretty quickly. And then everyone who like just wants to win rushes to buy that deck. And then it's like not fun to play, uh, in, in those kinds of circles anymore. So I fell off of magic after high school and didn't really look back. Uh, and then I had some friends who I learned were pretty big into it and would have like gatherings, you know, uh, like the, uh, like the title uh, of the uh, game, uh-huh. um, get togethers to play it and looking for more opportunities to spend time with them. I was like, all right, I'll try it. And I learned that they play a format called commander, which did actually exist back in the 90s but was called edh or elder dragon elder dragon highlander um and magic's commander format is not a meta driven snooze fest but rather a wonderful back and forth of of dynamic storytelling and strategy uh it is a gloriously good time I, I I love it so much. I I've already poured maybe like five hundred dollars into this. Oh my god! <laughs> um, because I I cannot be stopped. Uh, it's uh, commander. The format is like a one hundred card deck 
where everything except for your basic lands, so swamp plains, mountain, island, forest, everything but those cards, you can only have one of. Uh, and you have a face card, a commander. Your commander has to be a legendary creature of any kind. Uh, your commander sits in a command zone, which is kind of like an offhand. And then you have your library, the 99 cards. And the game from there plays mostly the same, but you could cast your commander from the command zone at any time. And, well, anytime you could, you have to spend the mana for it. Uh, and, of course, there's only one of every card, so every game feels very different. And how it evolves is always unique and always, like, a, a different story each time. And I like it because, like, the commanders, A, drive a very specific story for each deck. Um for instance, I play my first deck. I bought a, a precon, a preconstructed deck, uh, that features a guy named Prosper Tomebound, and Prosper, both at the beginning of his end step, exiles a card from the top of my library, and until the end of my next turn, I can play that card, and then he has a second ability, which is whenever I play a card from exile. I earn a treasure token, which is a like cheap artifact that you sacrifice to gain a mana. So he's got like impulse card draw and mana ramp built into one guy. And the entire deck kind of gets built around his flavor, uh, which is this idea that, you know, in the art, he's like holding a book and he's like summon things from hell. He's He's like exiling cards and pulling them from other dimensions and in doing so, his pact with this this demonic book is like gaining him money, um, and and I've like built it around gaining amassing treasure tokens, basically trying to build a, a furious stockpile of gold until I can spend all of that mana on like a really big explosive spell, right? That that should like end the game. Uh, but you know, everyone else is also trying to win, and everyone else has different strategies, and you have to account for that, and you have to like keep up with the fact that uh, someone might be able to like counter that or, or uh, someone else's like really cool story might be happening. And it's kind of hard to explain without having a game happening in front of you. But this is magic at its best. This is magic as a, a social experience, as a as dynamic storytelling. This is like the closest a trading card game gets to D&D. Um, so much to the point that there has been like D and D sets now, uh, and I think it's very special, and I can't stop playing it. <laughs> it reminds me a lot. Of, I'm just like looking at the like official like one page rule guide on their website. Mm -hmm. It feels a lot like Hearthstone. Yeah, like there's some yeah. like it's it's four player apparently, um, yes. which is obviously not hearthstone but like the so idea it, it, it could be anywhere from like two to actually as many players as you want although four is like the sweet spot um most people uh, when they're looking for a game are looking for three other people <laughs> but the concept of like this commander or like a hero class that you're choosing at the beginning of the game and then you kind of you're kind of dealing with their special abilities similar to hearthstone using the world of warcraft classes mm -hmm. uh and then like you have life points 
um, right. and whatnot. Yeah, and I I think it's kind of funny you say that because like that that's true. Hearthstone is a lot like that. Um, but then again, like Elder Dragon Highlander has been around for apparently since the nineties. So right. I wonder if they saw that and were like, let's make a simplified version of of yeah. this specific skew of of magic. That would make a lot of sense. Um, so to that degree, I think magic is something special now, um, as opposed to being kind of cool uh but not really for me albeit fascinating in terms of just being like the one uh like sort of really nerdy property that's maybe one of the most ubiquitous in the world i knew people in high school who were like hardcore football team jocks and like were on like JROTC track to go career navy or something out of high school uh huge into magic you know like it, it's it's so wild how much uh it comes up and and to to find my place in it and and to be enjoying it as much as i am uh is awesome and i i like going out every friday night friday night magic local game store and like finding new groups making new friends and seeing new decks and what they do and trying mine out hunting for upgrades every new set release is you know a money sink but uh it's fun right now Mm -hmm. i uh man so magic's probably going to be like in my top 10 list this year is 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 what i'm saying uh cool it's a good time that's really cool well that's magic uh perhaps you've heard of it check it out your local game store (laughs) ask about it alex i think we're i think we're close to to wrapping up here but since we'll probably go and and lay lay the podcast back down in the in the in the cryo sleep chamber, um, let's uh let's briefly talk about. I'm I I have a question here. What uh what are you looking forward to for the rest of the year? Any particular oh, um, games you're excited about? Well, yeah, actually, yeah. I, I can think of two. Okay, that's a good number. Um, I like yeah. two. uh the first one and i feel like it's part of a meme at this point maybe uh that i talk about monster hunter and i talk about overwatch but overwatch 2 yeah is up there i still like that game i i this this is when you were talking about dead games and, and like that term coming up as often as it is i was getting frustrated thinking about how often that's come up lately with with overwatch uh which i think has been hit with a a number of issues unrelated to its development staff mostly related to blizzard as a whole being under a lot of stress and a lot of scrutiny lately um i was seeing tweets from the lead producer on overwatch who i am blanking on her name but she was making wonderful points to the effect of like like risking her job basically calling out leadership at activision blizzard and and saying you know like this is the bullshit that keeps my team from being able to do their job and i am beyond frustrated angry and sad that this this keeps happening and and like holding us back and and it painted a picture that i don't think the average gamer was like going to pick up on this this idea that these things affect everything and 
Overwatch, as much as they've kind of been stumbling with how their sequel, quote unquote, is represented, I still have to explain to people today that Overwatch 2 is not a new game, but it just like a massive expansion to one. Uh, it's it's still coming along. And when it does, I think it's going to be great. I, I've played the beta twice now. Um, that is to say, like the first beta, and I, and I just got into the second recently, so I've been playing that a little bit. And it already feels way better. This this is the massive update that it needed. Um, as much as I would have liked it to be a bit more incremental, um, I don't understand the decision to make it, give it the moniker of a sequel. A numbered uh, sequel, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I am still excited. And it's just going to... They we have a date now. We're getting it October fourth, and it's going to be playable for everyone, and it's going to be free, and so there's going to be like a new surge of players, and, and I'm looking forward to the revitalization. Uh, it just man, I'll, I'll probably have more to talk about it later. Um, I don't know if the new name means that it will be up for another BGP, but uh, I, oh, I yeah. still I will think, probably I mean, yeah. I mean, we can. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess the only distinction would be new heroes, which are still going to be in the first Overwatch, I guess. But yeah. like Overwatch Two is just like if you're if you're dividing out what's new in Overwatch Two, it's mostly just the single player stuff, right? It's like the P or the PVE that's stuff. That's going to be the newest thing, and that's actually not going to be here for like another uh, half a year. Apparently, that's like oh. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um they're I think because things have been taking so long, they're doing the multiplayer update earlier and then like the the standalone single player expansion of sorts is is coming later. But they're still selling a box copy of Overwatch 2 on that date later this year. That's just going to have like the multiplayer. Well, they're selling it cuz it's free. Oh, okay. Okay. So I think All the right. Overwatch 2 PvE content is is not pushed so, to okay okay yeah okay um yeah all right yeah which, which was always the plan that like the the pvp content update was going to be free anyway um right i believe the plan was also like with the the pve the expansions coming later that cost money was also going to like include the the new looks the new skins for each hero that's like how they evolved over the years um but that seems to not be the case anymore. It okay. seems like everyone's just getting those skins now. Uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, uh, it's been very confusing. They haven't had like a clear direction with how they market this game since it was announced. So, like, I feel I feel like I keep having to relook it up myself and then explain it to friends who who are just like, this looks like Overwatch One, and like, man, are you actually gonna like pay money for this? And, and like, <laughs> wow, are you a sucker, Alex? You gotta tell me <laughs> if you're just a huge fucking sucker. Uh, uh, a yes, uh, <laughs> sequels do tend to look like the first game. Uh, I don't know why this keeps coming up. I was being excited in a certain Discord over Splatoon two, uh, 3, which was the other game I was going to talk about, and someone was like, but it looks like Splatoon 2, and like, yeah, because it's Splatoon 3. What did you think it would look like? <laughs> um, anyway, uh, and, and uh, I forgot where I was going with that. That's how angry that made me. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it's hard to... Ex- been hard to explain 
the the Overwatch two evolution, how that works, whatever. Splatoon three looks great. I'm always excited for more Splatoon. I will never not be excited for more Splatoon. the The idea of like a tack shooter meets movement shooter meets jet set radio is is just so exciting. I want to hear the new music. I want to see the new looks. I want to check out the new guns. I I want to play more Splatoon. I I hope more friends get into it because I would love to to play with them too. That was probably the thing that kept me from playing more Splatoon two was. I just like lost everyone who got into it really quickly. And I don't know. It's it's maybe not doesn't have the most staying power as far as uh shoot uh, like online shooters go. Sounds, these sounds days. like it's a dead game. <laughs> well, um yeah, uh Nintendo Nintendo's disconnect with with online services in general, I think includes a disconnect between with, with them and like how online service games work. And yeah. like, sure enough, Splatoon did have a steady trickle of content after it comes out, but it's always like done after a year. They 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 tend to to release it, have a year where there's like new maps and new items and new stuff every month, and then I think Splatoon two got like an extra like a little more than that, but um they 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 definitely don't keep it up for very long, and yeah, like like it does die eventually, I guess if that's what you want to call it, but. I still like it. I still have no, fun with yeah, Splatoon. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just yeah, messing yeah, with yeah. you. It's yeah, yeah. I, I know. <laughs> September 9th is the release. Yeah, it's coming date out like right one. after my birthday. I'm that's that's gonna be my gift to me, unless someone else gets it for me, which <laughs> might very well happen. So maybe I'll, we'll see. Yeah, uh, Splatoon three is is looking real cool and real fresh and excited for that one. So those those are those are my two two things off the top of my head that i am excited for cool what about you uh, um i am really excited for alan wake 2 oh yeah that's happening wait is that this year i thought that was this year am uh, i wrong oh no they've pivoted it and they're making control 2 instead fuck no no they're doing that like <laughs> co-op they're doing like their left for dead thing in the control universe are they Mm-hmm. I didn't oh. hear about that. Yeah, 2023 is apparently when Alan Wake 2 is. Oh, I think sorry. I think I saw Alan Wake remastered listed somewhere, and I got uh, confused. Um, oh well. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Sorry, I'm just looking at. I'm looking at uh, everyone's favorite Wikipedia article. 2022 in video games. <laughs> um. Oh, God of War Ragnarok is this oh, year. Yeah. Oh um, man. I'm glad it's coming to PS4 because I still have yet to acquire a PS5. I've I've not. It's not like I have tried and failed to acquire a PS5. I've not put any effort towards purchasing a PS5 um, because I don't know yeah, what I would put a play lot of effort. It. Yeah, if, if, if it's still if that's still true, actually, I don't know. I, I haven't kept. I think tabs. it's a little easier, but not by much. And so many of the times it goes on sale, it is a bundle and not just the console. It's like oh, GameStop has it up, uh. but you have to buy two extra controllers and some other bullshit and a Funko pop and, and like what, like MLB the show or something, yeah, something like that. I don't know. People, like, people, yeah. people like MLB the show. So I don't know, but that's on game pass now. So, um, skull and bones. Also, finally, we finally oh, got yeah. a reveal of what Ubisoft skull and bones, Assassin's Creed Four black flag without the Assassin's Creed. The sea of thieves, but without the Fortnite colors. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for it. Like, I mean, hopefully it comes together. Well, it feels good to play, but 
but I I'm I actually get pretty excited about a lot of Ubisoft games. Like I think a lot of the stuff like Riders Republic look cool. Like I never played it, but like I know a lot of their stuff like realistic looking action games. I don't know. There's a there's you, a you like those Far Cries. I uh, I I like Far Cry three. I like it so much you're gonna like watch that movie. You know? Ubi Bowl's finest finest hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of sequels this year. This Mario and Rabbit sequel. Um, oh yeah, I did see that. Oh we got uh, Bayonetta three. Mm. It's finally. Mm. Ooh. I um what was another thing I was looking at? Oh, I'm kind of really excited for both Marvel Spider-Man coming to PC and then also that remastered Last of Us Part 1. Okay. I would... I I know everyone's like, oh, I'm looking at these comparison shots and like I can't tell the difference between the remastered Last of Us and the old one. I'm like, well, this is a video game in motion uh so a static screenshot probably not gonna be the easiest thing to tell a difference from uh, also just going off of the static screenshots it seemed like they changed a lot like i could pretty clearly tell i yeah. I, I don't know where that complaint is coming from i don't think those people have eyes <laughs> um. uh and there, even the ps4 version of last of us one uh has a lot of texture pop like a lot of that's true like it was very it was that was very early in the ps4's uh, life cycle so there's like it's still like it's basically just a ps3 game with like a texture bump right um uh, well i i am also excited for god of war but i'm excited to play it next year when it comes to pc <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh i kind of wish they would do day and date stuff um that would be nice with pc but i'm i'm sure they're still they're worried <laughs> about losing playstation console sales if they were yeah oh my god you just you never were gonna get playstation console sales from them (laughs) and now they know and they're not gonna buy it anyway (laughs) like yeah well well. they don't want people like that one guy when they announced what was it the first one who's horizon zero dawn was the first pc first party game right yeah 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 and there's like people like destroying their PS4s out of protest. Like I can't believe Sony betrayed me by oh, putting Lord. this game on another platform, and so other people can't enjoy the game. I just I only play these games to lord it over other people, and if I can't <laughs> do that, then what do I have to uh, live for? Yeah. Um. If you. Let this just be like a general warning for anyone who's having trouble with this concept. If you put too much stock in your own personality on media and and how you interact with it, you're you're gonna have a bad time in life. <laughs> like you're you're just and you're not gonna like be a good person. Let's <laughs> just put it that way. Uh, yeah. So. Don't do that, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, that's a great note to end it on. Please do not tie your personality to the, the media you consume. Yes. We all yes. deserve better. Yep. Well, Alex, I think that's a great place to end it on. I think so, too. Um, why don't you let us know where people can find you? Oh, wow. 
Wow, it's been a long time since I've been asked this. I don't know if I can remember. I'm on Twitter at Godan with an underscore. That's G H O D A N with an underscore. Um, I very rarely stream on Twitch. That is Brandier Games. I think it's Brandier underscore games. Uh, I should maybe make sure of that, but I think I'm the only Brandier Games. Uh, and via either of those, you can probably find links, find links to my itch page where I have some games that I've made. I haven't made any in a while, but, um, if you like some of my older stuff, I don't know if you do, but it's there. Uh, yeah, that's me. That's good. Um, I'm looking at, it, it is in fact, Braindeer underscore games. And I like that your Twitch schedule just says Monday, whatever I feel like. Wednesday, whatever I feel like. <laughs> Thursday, whatever yeah, I feel is, like. Twitch is like, make a schedule. Tell people when you're going to be on. It'll <laughs> help you drive like engagement. And I was like, uh, I, can I just fill all of these out with whatever I want, whenever I want? <laughs> like, God, even Twitch is like, hey, do you want this hobby to be a job? <laughs> make yeah. a schedule. Yep, yep. I, well, I mean, Twitch is probably making the most money off of the people who are making it their job, so that makes sense for them. They're they're I doing suppose. that of uh, that that compulsion loop. Great, <laughs> awesome. Well, you can find me at Dylan Vento complaining about people using the term compulsion loops. Um, and if you like this podcast, you want to listen to any of our other podcasts. You can find them at ward dot com or on Twitter at Ward Video Games. Uh, Attract mode still going strong. <laughs> still reducing me to a human puddle. Yeah. We just whenever we just I watched, am on it. <laughs> we just watched everyone's favorite video game franchise, Galarians. Uh we just we just recorded an episode of the first of many Uwe Bowl movies, uh, of House of the Dead. I need to put that up. That'll be going up soon, hopefully this weekend. Um but yeah. Alex, uh enjoy your podcastual slumber. And I'll see you next time. And I'll see you then. Bye. Bye.